0: This is the Midlife Motorheads Podcast.
1: Listen in as we talk about our automotive adventures in the shop, on the road, and at the track. So climb on in,
0: tighten those belts, and let's go for a ride. We are the Midlife Motorheads.
1: And now, broadcasting from... Motorhead Central, somewhere in the Carolinas, is the hosts of the show, Gene and Trotty. All right, everyone. Welcome to
0: episode 14 of the Midlife Motorheads podcast. Gene, I'm excited. we got a returning guest today.
1: Yeah, we're going to bring back uh, Mr. Jeffrey Coe, talk to us about his uh, recent project. Uh, before we get started, I got a shout out to the River City Rippers. They sent me this nice fine t-shirt to wear. Very nice. They made it an extra large. And I also want to do a shout out to, not one of our sponsors, but you know, and Jeff, you've been following my my build, right? My my yeah. 968 turbo build. Mm-hmm. Today, today I gave it juice. We hooked it to the wow. battery for the first time. Okay. Epic, epic day. No and smoke? No smoke? No, as my friend Fonzie says, don't let the smoke out. Keep the smoke in the wires, no smoke,
0: but, that's a good um, sign.
1: but it, it wouldn't communicate with, with my laptop. And, and I figured out since why, but
0: okay.
1: I printed out and I'm going to show this to you guys. I printed out the, um, infinity user guide.
0: Nice. Oh my God. Holy cow. How big's the font? <laughs> Wow. Oof. Yeah. All right.
1: Well, my wife's not. My wife says to me, you're not going to read all that, are you? So if you're wondering <laughs> in the next six or eight weeks, what's Gene doing? That's what I'm doing. <laughs> all right. Very how good. Many, uh, how, many, so, uh, how many reams of paper is that? At least it's one. Full, it's a full ream. 400 <laughs> pages. And a, and a ream is five hundred pages, so it's a it's a full ream. But yeah, got to do that. But um, that, that was there was a, a day in the life of the nine sixty eight Gene today. Was we were printing and, and doing that kind of stuff. Very good. So so Jeff, thanks for for joining back with us. Um, I think you mentioned on, uh, reng list that uh, you had a little story to tell with your your latest uh, your latest project. And she were going to jump on a podcast, and I thought, I bet I know whose podcast that's going to be. He's going to do into <laughs> Midlife Motorheads and, and talk about uh, his car. So, so Jeff, just bring us up to speed: um, how you acquired the vehicle, and, and walk us through the story because I think it's it's pretty pretty much fascinating uh, story that uh, you love this car that much.
0: All right. Well, Gene and Trotty, um uh, you guys are privileged to hear this story first. I will probably, when I have more time, I will do uh, at least a couple of articles for the 968 Register. And, uh, and probably one for my uh, my Porsche Club region. So uh, you guys are hearing it first. So, We're getting a scoop. That's right. So um, as you guys know, I've been a 968 fan for a long time, having purchased my first one in 1996. And so uh, having in the mint green cab, which I purchased in 2007, and the uh, Speed Yellow Coupe uh, which I purchased in 2011. You would think I'd pretty much be happy, and and I'm married as well. So you would think that that might have a uh, <laughs> a bear uh, some kind of bearing on whether or not I was going to get any more acquisitions. Uh, but that said, I'm always looking uh, in the 968 market. And one day back in late, uh, probably December of 2016, I happened to be cruising uh, eBay, and uh, I saw a uh, 968. Uh, up for parts uh, advertised as parts or restoration so it was a white car and i didn't think anything too much of it uh but i I decided i'd go take a look at it so uh, as far as the ad goes and so i jumped in and um i immediately was struck by the interior and now i've seen people do some custom interiors but this one didn't look custom but it did look unusual and so um and the reason it was unusual, it was red. And uh, red interior 968s are like Ken's tape. Um Of the 4,242 968s made for North America, only five of them had red interiors. So the VIN was listed. I went over to my database, and sure enough, I confirmed this was one of them. Uh, this was a 1992 uh, uh, Grand Prix white coupe. Uh, but what made it unusual is that it had the very limited edition, very expensive, matador red special leather interior. So this was one of two made. They were both twins, white car, white coupes with this black and red interior. And here, was, here it was looking in front of me. And so I knew it was a special car and I, I was just fascinated to see it. Ah, uh, that interior option cost over five thousand dollars back in nineteen ninety-two, so you can tell why it was rare um, at the time. Uh, but it was just uh, very unusual. I wonder it's, how much that uh, would be
1: in today's dollars, Jeff.
0: Uh, well, uh, that's probably uh, twice that uh, at least, probably ten grand or whatever. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so definitely, uh, um, but it, 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 it was, that you could definitely tell when I looked at it, uh, it had a had a factory look to it. There's a lot of black, uh, so Gene, I'll send you a picture, uh, but the upper part of the car is all black, and the lower parts are what's red, the leathers and the carpeting, but there's still plenty of black even on the console and stuff, so it's really quite attractive, and it's not a lipstick red, it's a, like an apple skin red, uh, yeah. so it, it's very sharp.
1: That's a deviated so, interior, correct?
0: Um, it, it, no, it's not considered deviated. It was a factory package, but they called it special, special full leather. So that everything is covered in leather: the seats, both front and back, the rear seats, the door panels, the console, and the lower dash, and the e-brake handle are all covered and stitched in in this. Matador red leather and Gene another thing that makes it really cool I didn't know this at the time but it wasn't until after I bought the car is the leather is what they call marbled so if you were to look at the leather it has like this it looks like clouds it's got like a texture to it and apparently that was something they did back in the 90s because BMW and a few other companies tried it as well but it's very unusual and uh but very neat at the same time so, um, the one problem, so I looked at the car on eBay and it looked pretty neat, but one problem, the reason it was listed in the parts area is it had been hit hard in the, uh, driver's side rear, um, strange hit, um, it did not smash the rear window, the rear hatch, um, it was still, that was still there, but it, you could tell it had been hit hard underneath the corner panel was buckled, the entire rear section of the car was buckled, um, it was, uh, it, was, it was definitely hurting. Um, but it looked good. The front looked good. Uh, I had 100 113,000 miles on it, and um, I was interested. So, uh, oh, yeah, they had a full set of 17-inch cup one wheels on a two Gene, which you know are uh, pretty desirable to get a, get a handle on as well. Were the, so the front seven and, yeah, seven and a halfs? Yes, seven and a in the oh, front. So And real, yeah. huh? Yep. And it was, they were original uh, on the car. So I got on the phone, I called the seller, and to make a long story short, we worked it out. I bought the car and um, ended up having it uh, um, shipped back to Connecticut. So um, Where was and, it? Uh, it was in Colorado. Wow. So um, so I got the car, and uh, again, I knew that if it wasn't going to work out as a project, I could always use it for parts. that had plenty of good parts. I would yeah. have needed to do that. But it was uh, definitely uh, going to be uh, – uh, I definitely had that to fall back on. As you know, the wheels alone were close to $2,000. So I knew I was pretty much covered in my investment. Yeah. Uh, the, other, the other thing that made it attractive to me is I have bodywork experience. I worked at a body shop for a, a number of years when I was in college, and I've done bodywork um, – through the years uh, on uh, some of my older muscle cars and things like that. So I wasn't afraid of, the, of doing a bodywork-type project. The other thing that made a big difference on this car is it was a rear-end collision as opposed to a front-end collision. Front-end, you get into the suspension and all that other stuff, and this was in the rear. And although it was a nasty hit, it was still in the rear, and uh, I knew uh, it, I, it was more doable because of that. Yeah. So the, the car arrived in January of 2017, and uh, you know she she was hurting. Uh, like I said, the quarter panel was buckled and everything else. Uh, but uh, but it didn't look bad. I was not disappointed with what I had gotten into. So the car had sat for about 10 years, and um, it really? had not uh, been run, and it did not run. So the first thing I did was I want my first order of business was to get the car running. So I went out and got a battery, and uh, got the car to turn over, uh, but it wouldn't start. So after playing with it for a little while, figured out it was the fuel pump that was frozen up. Uh, I ended up replacing the fuel pump, and that was quite an experience. I think it was uh, February or, or May or maybe early March um, that I got all I got it diagnosed and got the new fuel pump in and put it in. And then hearing that thing come alive, Gene, after ten years was amazing. You yeah. know, it had that. It had that. You know. You know, you know, and trying to come alive, and slowly but surely, uh, it came alive. And again, that's just testifies to the uh, Bosch fuel injection system that was standard equipment on our oh, 96 sure. sure. So, but it did come back to life, and it ran good. So, I, that was a, a very, uh, very good thing. Now, the other thing, the next uh, once it was running, which was a great thing, the next order of business was um, the back of the car had been hit so hard that you could no longer have the rear wheel and tire on. Uh, it had to, uh, They had to put the spare on it to get it to move uh, because it had been pushed back so much it was right up against the tire and wheel. Wow. So I, I wanted to get the car rollable in addition to runnable. And so um, I had a buddy who was a body shop. And he had somebody that had, with access to a frame machine. So uh, March of 2017, uh, shipped the car over to my buddy's uh, place in uh, next town over, and uh, we and ha- had this guy pull the frame. And uh, so that made a big difference, straightened it out, you know, as far as the four corners of the car. And I was able to put the Cup 1 back on and have the car drivable. So it was really, that was, with those two improvements, it was uh, looking pretty good at that point. Yeah. Jeff, is it an automatic or manual? It's a six-speed manual. Nice. Yep. And uh, other than the interior, it's got the uh, the Cup 1 wheels, the 17-inch Cup 1 wheels. And um, I think that's about it for options. Uh, it's originally out of Texas when it was sold new. Um, I had the paperwork and stuff, um, so we had the windows were tinted and stuff, uh, and it was pretty. Um, had a lot of uh, you could tell it'd been in a hot climate for most of its life. Where so, did he, uh,
1: where, where did its twin get delivered to, Jeff?
0: Ohio, and I have not seen it, Gene. I think it's still around, but I know it went to Ohio when, uh, last time when I looked at looked for it. It was in Ohio. I checked the Carfax, and that's where it was.
1: I wonder. You know, you would think if it was a dealer ordered car with that interior, they would have loaded it up, right, with other things like the uh, and the, the sports suspension or something like that. It's right. kind of odd that they dump all that money into because in today's yeah. dollars, I looked it up as we were talking. <laughs> you were right, ten thousand dollars is like ninety eight to hundred dollars in today's dollars. Right, right. You know, spend That much on an interior and yet yep. not get other things. It's it's kind of they did have the. Um, Uh, the, the crest, the colored crest, uh, Wow. That's just crazy.
0: The other car, the twin has more options, but I like mine better because the one option it does not have that mine does is those cup one wheels. And you know, just like I do, uh, they are, make such a difference in the look of the car. So, uh, yeah. So other than the interior and the, um, and the wheels, that's the only option. doesn't even have the painted spoiler gene. Huh. So, so yeah, back to the story. So then looking at the way the car was damaged, I knew uh, it had sustained damage in multiple uh, components of the rear end to the point where you weren't going to buy the individual pieces. You were going to buy a clip. And so I went looking for a clip. And uh, luckily, uh, within a month or two, I found a up in Massachusetts, and I live in Connecticut, um, a 968 had been clocked in the front. A nice 94 and uh but the back end was beautiful and so i i called them and fortunately 968s don't come aren't that expensive so i drove up to massachusetts uh looked at the car um it was just what i needed i could buy the entire rear clip of the car for uh probably about i think i spent around uh twelve hundred dollars and um and that was everything quarter yeah. panel rear tail panel section uh, a part of the roof, um, part of the other quarter panel, uh, the trunk floor, the uh, spare tire well, um, the inner, inner inner fender well, the, the entire uh, wheel well perfect. on the driver's side, and all that stuff. And I needed it all. So yeah. it was perfect. It was perfect to be able to pick up that section. And uh, my brother-in-law uh, would take was doing deliveries up there, so he was kind enough to go pick it up for me on one of his deliveries and bring it back here to Connecticut. So with, uh, he dropped it off at the house. And with that, I had everything I needed to put this thing back together again. But uh, things uh, sometimes go strange. So I was looking good. I made a lot of progress in 2017. Uh, but then, as we know, uh, life can sometimes throw you a curveball. And uh, my mother-in-law got sick and uh, hmm. I had to take care of her. And we, we lost her in 2018. So, uh, so I didn't have much time for projects then. And that yeah. took most of my 2018 as well. So I really didn't come up for from air, from air from that till 2019 and started uh, refocusing on the, on the job. So I had been staring at it for uh, about, you know, a year or so, year and a half, because other than starting it, moving it around, and uh, that was about it. I was able to do for about a year and a half, almost two years Uh, With my the other things that were going on in my life But then I finally started to look back at the project and I have to admit gene as I looked at it I started to get a little nervous Um, Like I said, I did have bodywork experience, but this thing uh, again get it's the framework uh, Was was what was bothering me and then I just didn't know all of the places that I was going to need to cut in order to put this thing together. Like I said, I had an entire rear clip from another car and then I had my car. Well, where do you cut it? Where, where, where's the best places to make these seams? You know,
1: that's, where a, that's a 3d thought process, right? That's not two dimensional. Yeah. Like putting a panel on the outside of something, Right? you got things and that are crossing there.
0: And the whole time I don't, it, you know, it's the old uh, saying, uh, measure twice, cut once. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the same thing with a car. Uh, here I have this huge, beautiful piece but where do I cut it in order to put it onto my car? Yeah. You know, so that was, uh, I, I thought about it. I looked at it. I looked at it. I thought about it. You know, and I just, just you know, was above my pay grade for what I, what, what I was about to embark. Yeah. So I finally, towards the end of 2000, uh, starting to get into 2019, I realized that I was going to need some help. So one of the best things about being a member of the Porsche Club is that you have plenty of resources when it comes time for something like this. So I started to reach out to various people in the club looking for someone that had bodywork experience with Porsches. And uh, I found this one guy. And uh, so I I talked to him. He was a member of the club. And he had done a number of restoration projects for other members. Uh, so I talked to him about my project, but I kept talking to him. He said, he'd come over and I call him and he said, he'd come over and take a look at it. And this was going on for months and he was busy and he couldn't come or whatever. And after a while, I got the impression that he wasn't interested in my project. So, uh, but I was undeterred. So I, after I finally gave up on him, uh, now we're into 2020 or 2020. And, uh, so then I started to call another guy. Uh, I got another name and I called this guy. And so he was much more receptive. He said, oh yeah, send me pictures. Uh, tell, tell me, show me what you're thinking of and let me take a look at it. So I sent him a bunch of pictures. And again, another guy in Connecticut. So, uh, he, and I'm, he, he had two guys that worked in the shop. And so I told him, I said what I'm looking for. And again, I wasn't looking for a whole restoration. I'm just looking for somebody to help me do this, this metal work, get this yeah. section. And, uh, So he looked at it for a couple of weeks and he gets back to me and he says, nah, it's not something I want to do. All right, so now I'm starting to get a little discouraged. But I wasn't going to be undeterred, so I went looking again. I called another independent shop in Connecticut and I got another name. And I called this guy, Jim, uh, who was the town over. And uh, he was very receptive to the job. Matter of fact, as I described it, it became even a better match uh, because he said, even though he was a body guy, he said, the part I don't really like is painting and doing the body work, but I love metal work. Well, guess what I need somebody to help me with the metal work. Oh yeah. So it was a perfect match. So, and he was enthusiastic about my project too. So I called him up and, uh, and he, he, and we talked about it. He said, all right, let me come take a look at it. And he showed up. So, uh, (laughs) so he comes over and he was a great guy um you know i explained to him what i was doing and uh he said yep he says i get what you're doing i can definitely help you out with this and uh, so the beauty of it gene was i was going to be able to do the bulk of the work uh keeping the price down and make it you know making it so that i only used him for the most skilled work that i wasn't comfortable doing yeah and uh, so it was again a perfect match yeah so with th- with that said um you know, we kind of went over some general ideas, but um, he didn't have a lot of experience with transaxle cars, but he did have um, experience with Porsches, and he was and he was enthusiastic for my project, so that's what was needed. Yeah. So, so with that said, um, I, I, I uh, we had COVID show up. So, as you know, one I heard of the about that. About, yeah, I heard one about of that COVID. Thing. About COVID is that it canceled all our our plans. So the wife and I had a couple of trips planned over the summer, and uh, it was going to be a great summer with all kinds of traveling. We're gonna we're gonna go to Europe and everything, and uh, well, that didn't happen. Yeah. So the next thing I knew, I found myself with plenty of vacation time and no vacations. So guess what? I just happened to have something to do. So it worked out perfect in that respect as well. Yeah. So with having Jim, um, I I was ready to start on the project, and so now we're in summertime. So. Now we're at the first big crossroads uh, for the project. Um, looking at the piece that I had, the donor piece that I had, and the damage on the car that I um, of the matador, the one thing I was thinking about was I really wanted to replace every every piece that was uh, that was bent. but the the twisted cheap metal of the uh, of the trunk floor went. Even beyond the spare tire well into the trunk floor. And I had that piece, which was great. The problem was that the um, gas tank lied right underneath it. Yep. And, as, and I, that, so that meant I would have had to drop the gas tank. And Gene, I don't have to tell you, right? You know what a pain in the neck that gas tank drop is. Um,
1: Got to take, take transax out. Uh,
0: that too. Plus right. I hear there's more glue down there than you can even you could fill a glue factory with. So I knew it was going to be a heck of a job. And then yeah. just like you hinted, mm-hmm. I found out that I was going to have to drop the transaxle as well. Yeah. So now it's like, wow. oh my God, this thing's getting bigger and bigger. So then I again I looked at the project more, I looked at it, I looked at it, and then finally it dawned on me. You know what? That that trunk floor is going to be covered by carpet anyways. So I'm not going to go into that. I'm going to have it at the uh, spare tire well. I'm, I'm going to leave that alone. Yes, there's going to be a little twisted metal, but I can do the ball. I can do 95 of the work. Yeah, and, and, or get rid of 90, even better than that, maybe 97 with uh, and avoid taking that gas tank down and avoid dropping that transaxle. So that was huge. And again, uh, I went over my approach with Jim. Uh, knowing he was going to be there with me, and he agreed, he he felt that that would definitely save uh, a significant amount of scope on the project. Sure. So, so that was uh, that was a uh, the a big decision that determined what I was uh, my approach was going I was going uh, to do. So that said, August first, I started cutting and I started drilling spot welds. Now, Gene, it's interesting. Um, Like I mentioned earlier, I've I've got a lot of experience with muscle cars. I've worked on a lot of Mopars through the years, um, Dodge Challengers and Kudas and and all that stuff. So I had a lot of experience with that. But I became immediately impressed with the build quality of our Porsches. Uh, I could not believe, at some of the seams, you would find not two, not three, not even four, five layers of metal on some seams. It's amazingly amazing how well these things were put together. Yeah. But it also dictated that it was going to be a royal pain in the neck to try and do things at the seams. So as I researched the approach I was going to take, I realized that I wasn't going to be able to take the car apart exactly the way the factory put the car together. I would have to go outside the seams so that way I can get into um, a buck weld, or a lap weld, I wasn't going to have to take those seams part because again, it, you're looking at five layers of metal, and you want to get the the layer three out, and it's like you got two layers below and two layers above. My God, tremendous amount of work. So it dictated how the approach. So, what are you for, cutting with, Jeff? Um, most spot welds, and then I would use a, a grinder, a die grinder, which is like a twenty-five thousand RPM. It's a really heavy disc that goes on there. And it, they use it to cut mufflers and uh, exhaust yeah. pipes and stuff. And it does a nice straight cut. So what I ended up doing is uh, for the B pillar, the C pillar, and the uh, and the well uh, the weld of the section around the back. Um, I cut it straight. I didn't even get into the factory seams. I went next to it. And uh, again, I'll send you a nice picture It illustrates what I'm talking yeah. about. But again, doing lap welds and uh, buck welds, and that made the um, the uh, ability to take that section apart much easier than what I would have had to do if I had to uh, um, go with the factory seams. So again, uh, and and the other interesting thing is um, I had to do the same thing on the donor car as well. Uh, Again, drilling the same spot welds, uh, making the same cuts, again, trying to get to that puzzle piece that I was going to need to put onto my car. So as we went through the month of August, things got pretty ugly. I started cutting it off in sections. Uh, first was the rear tail section, then a little bit more of the tail section, uh, then the quarter panel. And uh, again got getting ba- you know taking it back to the point where I could see um, where I was going to be able to uh, make a puzzle piece that was going to work with uh, fr- from my donor car onto the co- new car and do it in such a way that you know it would work. Uh, the other thing, Gene, is that, um, the car kind of would talk to you as you got a layer off, you would take a look at it and it would you would say, well, I can't, I, I should stop here or I should keep going. And, and again, it got to the point where, you know, I, I was really listening to the car, um, how it was telling me to adjust things. Cause again, I didn't know exactly what I was going to do when I started it. It wasn't until yeah. I got things off and to give you a great example of that, uh, the frame rail twisted very badly in the rear. Uh, It's not just from the accident, but also from getting pulled. So, but I was able to save um, a whole side section of it from the donor car all the way up to the wheel well, and then weld that along the side. And again, I have to show you a picture, but again, it resulted in a much stronger and structurally sound uh, repair than what I originally thought I was going to do. And again, I had no clue that I could do that until I actually started taking both the pieces apart so it was you know what the, so uh, the
1: original impact was
0: um what was i uh, know i don't know what it was i know it was underneath and very hard uh but i don't know what hit it
1: or no, how when i uh, when i bought that uh, the white turbo it was mm-hmm. miles's turbo yeah uh, had a side impact he went into a ditch and hit a like a fire hydrant or something it was a pretty pretty good shot right at, in the door I think it was and, uh,
0: the concrete structure over a culvert, on
1: like on a yeah a intersection. Yeah. I think you're right, Trotty. And uh, I took the car to a local body shop, and they were like, "Oh, we can knock this out." And I thought, "Wow, I might get lucky here." You know, hope Miles never finds out. And um, after about four days, they called me and said, "Come get your car. We can't do this." <laughs> and it was it was those those multi interlaced layers that you're talking about. Right, that They didn't know how to deal with. And they said they were going to have to cut the side of the car off to fix it. Yes. So, you know, amazing. It's, it's amazing the shot that that car took. And I drove it for a few weeks. It drove okay. it nice and straight. You know, everything was fine. But it, it, took, it took one heck of a shot. So right. as you're talking about this, I'm picturing that car and some of that damage and, and what it was going to take to fix it.
0: Right. The other thing, uh, Gene and Trotty, is uh, I'm sure you're not surprised. There's nothing out there on the Internet. I mean, there's so much information, but go to look for any kind of assistance. Yeah, yeah exactly. Great information. <laughs> you know, uh, you can find some stuff on 944s, which is a little helpful, but yeah. I mean, it's it's basically nothing. Uh, I, was, I knew I was kind of right in the book as far as 968s go. And again... I was in the dark and feeling my way along the way. So uh, if you're looking for information, Gene, as a 968 guy, when the subject matter is such that you can borrow from that, uh, that's where you look. Uh, And again, uh, 968 and 944 uh, do share some common DNA. So again, I was able to find some stuff Uh, out there on my project that I was going to do based on the 944 but there was absolutely nothing for a 968
1: yep yeah I know what it's like to uh, to to plow that that virgin land on 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 things
0: hey you know uh, what I, I take that very seriously. Uh, when I do, you know, one of the reasons you we're having this chat here um, is again, I want others to be able to uh, benefit from the pain, the 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 success and the pain that I went through. So I will definitely be sharing my experience. Uh, uh, as as time goes on in the many areas between the 968 register you guys, uh, my Porsche region, those places uh, you know I'll put the stuff out there so others can learn from what I went through. Yeah very good
1: I I know one of the most often asked questions uh, that I see anyway on on the different forms about the 968 is how many are left right Right. Yeah, I think for a, a period of time every time one was wrecked or, you know, showed up in, a, in a, an auction with a salvage title. You know, people would run to, to rentless to see who could put it on first. You know, right? Like, oh, we've lost another one. But uh, <laughs> it's it's great that you're uh, you're saving this. Now, do you refer to this car as the Matador?
0: I do. It uh, seems
1: of very American-mortar to me.
0: <laughs> yeah, A lot. Uh, again, when you're talking 968s, people know what it means. So, yeah. Uh, so in that respect, <laughs> but you're, you're right. That's true. They did make a Matador, and and that wouldn't be a compliment. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, in some circles, it might be now.
0: Well, they made some good They made some good AMC products, but I don't know if the Matador, I don't think I can ever recall one that is, like, a really good one. No. Uh, <laughs> they had the Javelins, the AMXs, the Rambler Scramblers, you know, some of the Hearst editions and stuff, but yeah. I don't think they ever really did a good Matador, so. But yeah. the Matador Red Leather Interior in a 968, that's another story. <laughs> oh, I know. I know.
1: So, so we're in a story where we're we're like late August?
0: So, yeah, we're, we're late August now. Uh, again, uh, Jim's been coming over. He, he was great. He came over a total of three times uh, and checked on my progress and verified that I was going in the right direction and maybe offered a tweak here and in there. And that was exactly what I needed. I needed somebody who did it for a living that would be able to tell me, uh, you know, just validate that I was in the right direction or, you know, give me some kind of confirmation that, uh, you know, something needed to be changed or whatever. So that was invaluable to have him alongside. And I, and I won't lie, he gave me a confidence level too. You know, just knowing that I had somebody that did it for a living looking over my shoulders to make sure that I, I, was, I was doing it right. So the, the big day came in uh, September uh, or end, oh, I guess end of August when I made the final cuts on the donor piece and uh, where I decided I was going to cut it. And, and that piece emerged from the shell of the entire rear clip that I have. And so I had my friend Paul come over uh, one weekend, and he and I, we lifted it and brought it along back and put it on back of the matador. So for the first time, I got to see it, uh, not attached permanently, but somewhat attached uh, on the car to get, have it look like a, a, a straight car again. Yeah. And the interesting thing, Gene, I don't know if, you, if you've seen the pictures, but the donor car was Iris Blue. So it was quite the contrast with the white, but... Uh, I, I
1: remember seeing those pictures when they first cropped up on, on RenList, you know, because admittedly here, this took a long time, right? Because we went from like 2017, 2018, 2019, all of right. a sudden, 2020, you start to chat about it a little bit more and all of a sudden the pictures show up and I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. Like, it was like, you know, the, the sky parted. It was just like, That's right. boom.
0: Uh, here it I, is. Was do- I was doing it. So... Yeah. Uh, yeah, and once once I got going, the, and like I said, the work was fast and furious at that point. Yeah. So, uh, so the other, so as um, the other interesting thing is, Jim, he uh, runs a, a Porsche shop and he does a lot of restorations, the 356s and 911s. But he yeah. was he was so impressed with my project, he let me cut in line. So uh, he knew that he could do uh, what I was looking for him to do with my help. Uh, he said he figured it'd take no more than a week. So, uh, as I made my progress, uh, he, he figured out where he was going to let me cut in line and be able to bring the car over and we would make it one. So, uh, that worked out to be the end of last week of September. Um, and, uh, so I got it all. Once I had that piece kind of placed on there, uh, my friend, Paul, like I said, he had come over, we took it off, put it on six times. Uh, Each time I trim a little bit more and pound a little bit more and it would get a lot, get on a little better. But, you know, uh, you know, I only got, I got it. It didn't go on as straight as I would have liked. So, uh, but again, I knew that this is where we're getting into the skill level that's above my pay grade. Yeah. So. One of the things I did is I I, got, I did all the grinding. I put on weldable primer, which is a special type of primer you put on bare metal in yep. anticipation of welding, and, got and again, got it placed on there. So I would say when I put the piece on, it was about 70% correct. But, again, that left a ways to go before it would be ready for welding. So uh, the big day, came, I worked with Jim. He figured out when he could have me come over. I sent down his buddy with the flatbed. And he was about uh, half an hour away from my house. So we uh, flatbedded the car up on a Sunday. Um, I took three days off from the bank. Um, and then on Monday morning, I showed up at the body shop bright and early at 830. Uh, my first day of employment at a body shop in 30 years. Uh, but it was, <laughs> uh, wasn't like a, uh, much different from when I left it. So, so Jim, uh, we, we took the piece off again. And uh, the good thing about Jim, he was a perfectionist. And he wanted this thing to be right, so uh, we took it off. And uh, again, he's looking at the piece, you know, where where it was. Now, the thing that made it most challenging was these cars. They're put together on a jig at the factory, you know, and they assemble all the pieces from the middle from the inside out. And when you're doing that, things go together much smoother and straighter. But when you're sectioning on a piece from one car to another car um it's not gonna go as easily as you might think like i said if you were just doing one panel it'd be okay but i was doing the entire corner around to the rear as well along with the uh, the the inner wheel well and the the trunk and the spare tire well and it just wasn't going to go straight on uh and that's again that's where i really was thankful that i had jim with with me so we spent the entire first day, again, Monday, uh, he ended up taking that. We took the piece off twice and, again, making trims, trimming, uh, you know, making adjustments to where it needed to be hit and uh, just getting it to fit right. And, um, again, he he got it uh, right, right how it needed to be. And what he would do is when he would get a section right, he would drill a hole and then he would put a sheet metal screw. And then we'd, he'd work it work it a little bit more and get it to fit nice. And, uh, again, we're looking at the door gap. We're looking at the gap from the, to the hatch. We're looking at the how it fits together with the quarter panel on the other side. We're checking all that stuff, making sure it's straight and uh, looking good. So we ended up taking it off twice. And then we ended up working it and getting it right uh, to the point where we had a number of sheet metal screws in it um, Monday night. And, um so it looked pretty darn good but funny thing was I showed up first thing Tuesday morning and uh, he, he wasn't there yet so we spent all Tuesday morning from 8 30 till lunchtime getting another percent of perfection out of the way the thing looked and again I was so impressed with how he would work you know we we'd, we'd attach it over here and then we'd work it over there just to try to get it to fit that much nicer again you're you're seeing these lines. You're watching these lines come together from the two cars. You want them to be even, and so he would know how to work it and get it to fall in place. And again, it wasn't it wasn't easy. Uh, I realized that I would have been in trouble if I even attempted to do this myself. So again, all Tuesday morning and getting it right, and then by lunchtime on Tuesday, she had been, uh she was she was ready to get welded. So Jim went to went to town. And we started he started welding and it was amazing. Uh, I I learned a few things that I hadn't seen before. He did the frame rail, he did all the other spot welds and everything else. Uh Wednesday he came in, uh fin- we and we finished up the uh welding probably um uh by lunchtime. And then uh and then he did the grinding and the job was done as far as gym's work uh by Wednesday, Wednesday full day. Uh, but again uh, and the the best time, Gene. The best de- the best point was when we got the job all done, and I closed the hatch, the original hatch from the car, and it came down and closed into the op- you know, to the where it comes together yeah, on it the does. blue section. And poof, it went down, and there was this nice, beautiful line where it could uh, where it was together. So the car was together, and I'll send you a picture of how that looked. But it, it I just couldn't get used to it. I mean, after seeing it twisted and mangled for yeah. so many years, to see that beautiful blue structure, which was from the donor car, now melded and welded uh, in one piece uh, onto, the, onto the Matador. Do- Matador was just incredible to see, uh, see how that looked. So yeah. uh, that, was, that was truly exciting. So uh, well, Thursday, the Flatbed guy came and brought it back. And um, I went to work immediately, uh, making sure that all the welds were covered up. Uh, I did the body work on the seams um, so that I could put paint on them because I didn't want any rust getting on them. And then in the, in the trunk area, I did all the seam sealer and followed by undercoating, got that all set and uh, came out great. So I put the bumper on it and uh, a couple weeks later, I sent it out for a timing belt. And uh, so it's... Uh, it's looking like a car again, which is, uh, which is pretty darn cool. So I got a lot more to do, but I'm definitely over the, uh, the hump. And it was quite a journey, uh, a lot of luck. Uh, again, I couldn't have done it without Jim, uh, but I'm excited to get over it. And I, I can't wait to get it to the more fun stuff, like restoring the interior and things like that. So that's pretty much the story of the Matador project.
1: Yeah. So when do you think it'll, it'll be uh, back in, in paint, all one color?
0: Um, well, it's funny you should ask that. Um, I did. Uh, I did paint the bumper, which was from a black car, and um, and I said to Greg, my son, I said, "Well, should I just throw some white paint on the quarter?" He said, "No." He said, "Leave it alone. It kind of has a character like that. It tells a okay. story." So he's right. I'm going to leave it like that for a little while longer. Eventually, it will be all white. Uh, but just to give you an idea, I'm not going to paint inside. Uh, where the trunk is. Again, I'm going to let that tell the story of the car. I didn't I didn't want to hide. Uh, I wasn't trying to hide anything. People were fascinated by the story, so oh, yeah. uh, people are going to you know what it was, and, and that's fine. It's not going to be a concourse car ever, not like my other cars. But it, it's a cool car, and it's going to be a great car when it's done. I hope to get it registered in the spring, and I'm really going to enjoy this one because unlike the other ones, which are show cars, uh, this one I'll be able to drive and have a good time with.
1: You know, it, it almost is like bring that to Porsche parade, right? Just because yep. there's so much story there. Exactly. With, exactly. with even with the blue the blue corner on it.
0: That's right. And we we got the red interior, so we got the red, white, and blue theme going. There you go.
1: You can't beat That's that. Right. Yep. You can't no. beat that. What What do you do about interior pieces?
0: Well, that is going to be really hard. Um, I'm probably going to have to get the uh, the seats. The front seats need to be redone, so I'm probably going to ha- have to uh, have somebody, you know, make some leather for me because that marbled uh, Matador red leather is, like I said, practically impossible to find. So, uh, yeah. so that's going to be a tough one. And by the way, uh, they did offer that color on 928s and 911s as well. Super rare there as well, but you will see it occasionally there as well.
1: Interesting. Interesting. Yep. Well, that's a great story. Um, I know that, uh, you know, people were kind of questioning it along the way, you know, why are you rescuing this one? But right. I, I can see why. And it's just, it, it's, um, it's one, it's a one of two.
0: One of two. Yeah. That's, well, that's good you know, it, it tells me that uh, with some determination
1: uh, and some passion, that, and Jim. And Jim. <laughs> That's right. That you can rebuild pretty much anything. I mean, you know, I've always heard in, uh, that Porsches, with even
0: small hits, they, they total them. You know, so and this is an incredible story that you're bringing this thing back to life. Yep, yep. And, and like I said, I got a, a big appreciation for how well these cars are built. Um, much more so than I did going into it. Uh, like I said, I'd had experience working, other, working on other cars. And when I saw, again, five layers of metal, it's like, wow, these things are built built to last. So uh, I was impressed by it. But, uh, yeah, no question about it, Trotty. Yeah, I had a number, you know, it's one of those stories where a number of things came together. Um Uh, I don't know if if I hadn't found Jim after striking out twice before him. I I may have, uh, I don't know what I would have done. You know, meanwhile, Gene, uh, somebody called me and was looking for an engine. And it's like, oh, boy, you know, I've got 3,500. I'll give her the engine. Oh, boy. You know, it's like uh, thinking about that. uh, I could have definitely been, but I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to do that. I bought the car to fix it. I really wanted to save it. So uh, I'm really glad it turned out, and I'm really excited that it's a, it's a car, man.
1: <laughs> You're a better man than I, because I would have just taken the interior out of it and stuck it in something else and called it a day.
0: There you go. But you wouldn't have had that code.
1: <laughs> I wouldn't have had the code. That is,
0: that's right. That's right. That's you right. know me. I'm all about the codes. <laughs> I know.
1: I know. I know.
0: So I'll keep you posted on my other progress. Like I said, uh, it's it's uh, getting mechanically better all the time as I fix other things. And, and again, I'm, I'm really excited to jump on that interior. Probably that will be next year. Um, and, and, like I said, then I can start to enjoy it. I wouldn't even hesitate driving it to the parade. Um, you know, I know it's going to be in French Lick next year. Uh, but, again, this is a kind of car where you can just enjoy it. And uh, it's got an interesting story. It's rare, uh, but it's usable. So that that's kind of that's going to be a nice uh, change for me. So yeah,
1: yeah. Um, so how do people get a hold of you, Jeff?
0: Well, you can always go to nine six eight register org. That is the uh, register website, um, and you'll also find my name and email listed at the end of uh, any any Panorama magazine. Uh, that's the uh, panel magazine, which is the one that Porch Club puts out under Registers. Uh, I'm the as you know, I'm the the 968 register advocate. So you can always find my name there. And
1: Jim, how do they get hold of Jim?
0: <laughs> he, he, he's keeping low. He doesn't want to get inundated dated uh, with uh, work. He's plenty busy. And okay. uh, if, he, if those 9 11 guys know he let me cut in line, they'd get mad. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Maybe his name's not even really Jim. Maybe it's something else.
0: Oh, it's Jim. <laughs> it's Jim.
1: <laughs> well, perfect. Well, Jeff, uh, appreciate you jumping on again and telling us the story. And, uh, um, we'll have you back on w- with your next project.
0: Okay, great. And I'll send you those pictures, guys. Thanks, please, to please to do that. Uh, well, I'll keep you posted, and uh, have a good have a good night.
1: Perfect. You Thank too, you, buddy. Thank you.
0: Thank you for downloading and subscribing to the Midnight
1: Motorhead podcast. Make sure to check out our main website at midlifemotorheads.com and all our social outlets, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube.